Retired Army Colonel Clifford Worthy was among the earliest black enrollees at West Point and got there thanks to the persistence of a white member of Congress. This was all back in the late 1940s. His book, Black Knight, seeks to encourage young black people of today in their pursuit of life's possibilities. I spoke with Worthy, now in his 90s, about his early experiences. The population of West Point at that time was 2,200 cadets and 12 were black cadets. How would you describe the conditions in that period after the armed services had been integrated, but before the Civil Rights Act and the change in the nation yeah. at large? Vast change in the nation at large. Uh, if you go back to, just to give you an example, if I go back to class of 1936, one of the cadets there was Benjamin Davis, who later became a three-star general and actually a four-star general. Uh, but the way he was treated in 1936 was totally different than the way I was treated later on. He was uh, silenced. In other words, for four years, no one spoke to him, no one ate with him, no one slept with him. Uh, his only contact with, with other cadets was through academics or military, military training. Now, of course, in 1948, West Point was, the military was integrated. President Truman issued an edict which did away with discrimination in the military. Uh, and so I came in 1949, of course, graduated in 1953. In 53, of course, it was a, still a, quite an experience for me at that time, obstacles including you know, transitioning from uh, familiar culture of uh, limited accessibility to one of new norms, actually, and expectations and adjusting to cadet uh, curiosity and, and presumptions. And, and a big point was a tightly controlled environment, uh, limited uh, pretty much overt prejudicial, uh, so it's very dramatic change, at least, least overtly, from what it had been prior to the time I was there. So from your personal standpoint, then, in some ways, life within West Point might have had less discriminatory practice that you felt than life outside of West Point. Absolutely, it did. The only exception was that at the time, black cadets, and there were three in my class, uh, had to room together. That was a requirement. That changed after I graduated, but we had a room together. What made it different was the fact that when you first came into West Point, they assigned you to companies based on your height, uh, so that uh, you'd have uh, uniform height and for parade purposes. But in the case of black cadets, they uh, were forced to stay, live, to, uh, live together. And so one of my roommates was four inches shorter, so he had to contend with the problems of uh, keeping in step in parades and uh, and. Uh, and the jibbing and jabbing while we were in, in the uh, formation. So that was the only incident uh, that I can recall in which I was felt singled out. Uh, other than that, uh, in a very tightly controlled environment uh, just uh, limited uh, racial in incidents, at least on a covert level. There were no segregation of facilities such as bathrooms or showers or dining? Nothing like that, no. It was totally different than the one I described before about what was going on earlier at West Point. Well, after that, you had a long Army career, a very long Army career, rising to the rank of colonel, and you had some managerial roles throughout the Army's installations. What about life in the Army writ large? Well, I can say 
with certainty that the army at large was probably the most progressive part of the country, if you're looking at it from a racial base. I never was, uh, not never, there were times when there was some segregation in the military after I graduated, but never to the extent that I described to you earlier. When I went to my first unit uh, there, they did have a situation where quarters on post there were assigned. At first, they, they put all the black officers on the same block, in the, and, and they, were not, they were not assigned to quarters with white uh, officers. But the white officers were allowed to live in the, on that block if they chose to. So that was kind of a way to kind of have some semblance of a racial integration, but it really wasn't segregation at that time. But that faded over time because I went back to the same place over the years, it was no longer true. And in the various promotions and posts that you were assigned, did you feel that, for the most part, that those were assigned and, and the promotions you received were based on merit, the same as anyone else in the Army? Yes, I think so. I had some wonderful assignments, assignments that were, were key to progression in, in the military. Uh, and whenever I requested something, I, I, I was never denied any assignment that I'm aware of. In fact, I um, went to Command and General Staff College, which was more or less a place where officers with potential for progression in their their career were assigned. The Army decided to send me back to, nine years after graduation, send me back to uh, civilian school and back to the University of Arizona to get my master's in mechanical engineering. I was later became one of the military assistants to the Undersecretary of the Army, which was definitely a, a very choice Assignment. So I never felt that I didn't have the opportunity that my classmates and that other military officers in the Army did. I guess I'd like to get your perspective on some of the other integrative challenges that the military has had in recent years. That is to say they were, by law or by presidential order, required to end discrimination against gay members in service and transgender. That's still a topic of debate. What's your feeling on some of those? Well, we didn't have that. That was not a, uh, anything that was prevailing, any thought about that kind of thing at the time I was there. Keep in mind, I went in 1949. We didn't talk about gays and LBGD uh, pe- people. Uh, so I had no opinion one, one way or the other. If, if you're asking me how I feel about that now, well, I, I go along with the, with the established policy that exists today. I'd okay. Just tell us briefly about your book, Black Knight. The Black Knight, I wrote it uh, because I wanted to advocate for young blacks because of the circumstances under which I entered West Point. I was a 16-year-old pre-med student at Wayne University at the time. Wayne was before it became Wayne State. I just had an encounter with an ex-cadet who had, who had flunked out of West Point, and we talked, and... My chances of going to med school were like zero to none because my folks could not have afforded to send me to, to medical school. So he convinced me that I should contact my congressman perhaps to get an appointment to West Point. Well, before that moment, I had never given any thought to the military as, as a career. The only thing I, thing I know about West Point at the time is when you went to the movies at, the, at that time, usually the cadets marching was kind of a preview to the, to the, to the main feature of the day. So uh, I knew nothing about the military, had no intent of being a part of it. But as I said before, my chances of going to med school were pretty, just about non-existent. And so at that time, a letter was three-cent stamps. So I wrote to my congressman, who was the father 
of the dean of the house uh, who recently passed, John Dingle. I didn't expect any response from him, but he did reply, and, and it's much to my surprise. He wanted to, me to talk to a couple of local politicians in, in his district and, and also send my grades, which I did. And uh, that's what started the progress. Now, that was in 1946, uh, but I didn't get into West Point until 1949. But he persisted and uh, and was determined that I was going to get in, and I did. So I ended West Point July 1st, 1949. Getting into West Point was just an unexpected event. It was a result of persistence on the part of Congressman Dingell. And I just wanted to let other black kids know that to be prepared for unexpected uh, opportunities and to seize the moment and, and make the most of it. And so that's exactly what I did. And I had a very successful career at West Point. Retired Army Colonel Clifford Worthy later had combat experience in Vietnam and retired as Weapons Systems Management Director at the U.S. Army Tank Automotive Command. Find a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Here at the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature.